Thanks for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about Revelation 1. If you want more information or to listen to these sermons, check out parkhillschurch.com. Park Hills. Welcome to the inaugural Park Hills podcast. Here's what we're going to do with, we're going to have a bunch of different types of podcasts that we're going to all lump under the the Park Hills podcast brand, so to speak. But this first episode is is a a series of episodes that we're going to call Notes from the Cutting Room Floor. And the idea is there are things that we would love to cover in a sermon, but for your benefit, church, we don't want you to stay at church all day long on Sundays. And so what we're going to do is try to take some of the things that we would have loved to have used in a sermon, but we had to chop off due to time. And we'll just leave that uh, on the floor and then until after Sunday morning. And then at some point after Sunday morning, we'll pick up some of these scraps and we'll just start to walk through them together. So this week, we're going to deal with two big concepts that we would have dealt with in Revelation 1 if we had time. But since we didn't, let me just read uh, a little bit of Revelation 1, and then we'll dive into uh, the concept for this week. So I have Graham with me, and we are going to, to do this together. So starting Revelation 1, verse 12, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. So this is John hearing a voice, and he turns around, and on turning... I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. And the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword, And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So, Graham, this is this is imagery that's from somewhere else. So I would love it if you would read Daniel 7 verses 9 and 10 and then verses 13 and 14. Then we'll start to interact a little bit with this idea. Sure. Absolutely. All right. So Daniel 7, 9 starts with this. As I looked, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire uh, issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment. And the books were opened. All right, so we're going to jump down to 13 and 14 now. Yep. Uh, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. That sounds familiar. Son of man. That's a theme, right? Mm -hmm. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Uh, that all people's nations and languages should serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So I think you could start to see already why we're looking at these two passages connected to one another. And I think when most folks read Revelation, they they want to just take it on its its face value. They want to just read Revelation through and pretend like nothing else in the Bible exists. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is you read Revelation 1, and if you strip it of all of the meaning of what's happening elsewhere, you might go, man, Jesus is really cool sounding in Revelation 1, right? The one like a son of man who's got eyes that are like fire and his head's white and he's got white hair that's like white as snow. And you you go, man, this guy sounds amazing and sounds like really powerful. But he's even more powerful and even more amazing if you add in the imagery from what we, what else we see in Scripture. And so Daniel in Daniel 7 has this terrifying vision in the beginning of the chapter where he sees these four beasts and he's trying to figure out what that all means. And then all of a sudden he looks up. And as we just saw in verse uh, 9, he realizes that he sees something that he, he can't fully comprehend. There's a being sitting there named the Ancient of Days. And there's all these thrones. And, and one of the great things is we don't know how many thrones we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. It could be two, could be 20, could be 70. We don't know. And so he takes a seat, the Ancient of Days does, but there's no indication that anybody else is sitting in any of the other thrones. So the, it could be that he's sitting with a bunch of empty thrones around him and you start to wonder, man, I hope somebody takes that spot. You know, I hope somebody sits down in that space right next to his huge throne. Mm-hmm. But we see that the image, the image of the Ancient of Days, he's, he's got white hair, his hair is like pure wool, his throne is fiery, he's got wheels that are burning fire, and all of this fires around him, it's like you can't even really fully see him, he's just like burning, basically. And then there are a thousand thousands, that's a million, serving him, and there's 10,000 times 10,000, which would be way more than a million. And the, the court sat in judgment, and the books are opened. So when we start to break down this this idea, the the big image that we wanted to talk about this week is uh, it's really the first of two. We're going to deal with the Ancient of Days, and then we're going to try to deal with Son of Man in just a few minutes. So Ancient of Days, you know, dive into this a little bit for me, Graham. What 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 pops in your head when you think of a phrase like Ancient of Days? Yeah. So when you hear Ancient of Days, you've got two words in that phrase that sound like time. Uh, so it feels like. You know, as time passes on, uh, perhaps this is someone that is, is, you know, old or is someone that, that maybe has acquired wisdom or has been around uh, to, yeah, to, to be this being that you could, you could come to if you, if you needed wisdom or, you know what I mean? It's uh, the phrase taken by itself seems to indicate, yeah, passage of time or this idea of wisdom or knowledge. Uh, but there's, there's a lot more packed in here, isn't isn't there? Oh, totally. I mean, the idea of ancient days, the, the Hebrew is atik yomin. Uh, that's, you're excited about Hebrew this, this fall. Yeah. We're going to be taking it here soon, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so yeah. So atik yomin or atik yomaya would have been the phrase that would have been used in Hebrew. And the idea of the ancient of days is that he is not just old, because you get that from ancient, mm-hmm. not just old so old that the days could be counted by him. That's the second concept you could maybe pull from, from the ancient of days. Mm. But the idea of ancient of days is he is so old, so ancient and so in charge of the days that he's actually beyond time altogether. Hmm. Eternal. 
I mean, yep. just something about him. He actually kind of holds the days in his hand, which is a, a huge, huge idea. I mean, the, the ancient world, especially in this time frame and in this area, you know, we're talking about Mesopotamia and the, right around Babylonia and in the Canaan, uh, the land of Canaan and all this. All of these places have different gods that they worship. And every one of them sees their God as a old man with a gray beard, usually really, really long. And that gray beard is supposed to signify wisdom and strength and that this this God is so old that you can go to him for wisdom. You can go to him for advice and he's going to give you what he needs. The image that's described here in Daniel 7 isn't like those other gods. He's not saying, Daniel's not going, well, my God is old too. The, right. the idea here of ancient <laughs> days is my God is beyond all other gods because he actually holds time in his hand. There is nothing that can stop us from understanding that he is beyond us. He is, there is no beginning. There is no end. Time just goes on for him no matter what. So the, the idea in the ancient world was that this God and the word we would use there is Yahweh. That's his name, right? Our God is named Yahweh. He is beyond all things. He is the all sufficient one. He's the all encompassing one. Yahweh. The idea isn't just that he's old. The idea is that actually he's the father of the years. He's so ancient that he's, he's before time and he's mm-hmm. going to be there after time. Time is a construct that he created. So all these other gods don't have that. They don't get to say, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. I'm, I'm old too. You know, this is a, this is a, a God that is beyond anything that you could possibly fathom. You'll like you wanted to jump in. Yeah, he's <laughs> I mean, I don't know that we as as humans can really comprehend someone that is beyond time or someone that has always existed uh, before us because, you know, we were born. So we came into existence. Uh, but this Ancient of Days character uh, and this God that we serve uh, is is so far beyond anything that we could even dream of. Uh, that it is, it's humbling to stand before him, and it's humbling to, to think about who he is as being self-existent, uh, being self-sustaining, uh, and how we are just dependent on him as, yeah, as the ancient of days. So yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful concept to to dive into. Absolutely, and the fact that his his clothing is as white as snow signifies purity, right? The fact that the hair on his head is like pure wool, showing that he's not just old; he's he's beyond old. Pure wool, this idea of it's very very white; it's almost translucent or or bright shining. And the fact that he is so powerful that he has thousands upon thousands standing before him, and ten thousand times ten thousand standing before him, he's in charge. No one else gets that kind of authority. No one else gets where that many people will stop and just do nothing to watch him and behold his his yeah. goodness and his might. He draws the attention of the room. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's kind of like we've we've talked about this in sermon team a little bit. Uh, if if Jesus walked in the room, or if God the Father walked in the room, you don't have to like be told to bow down. No, it'd be instinct. You just do it because you see him and you go, I, that guy deserves everything I've got. And you just bow down to him. And that's the image that we see in these first couple of verses. And so we think, man, the ancient of days, what a tremendous image. I love that. That's beautiful. But then there's, remember, there's these thrones and one of the thrones is empty. And so we go, who's going to, who's going to fill 
the empty throne. And then you skip down to verse 13, which you just read a little bit ago. And one, like the son of man, comes up to the ancient of days, is presented before him. And to that individual, this son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Not just any kingdom, but a kingdom that all nations, all peoples, all languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So if we're going to look at ancient days as one thing, the second one we want to deal with in this little podcast is, is the son of man. And when we think about the son of man, you know, what pops in your head instantaneously? When you think of the idea of son of man, you know, you've gone to Bible college, you've learned about Jesus, what pops in your head? First glance. Yeah. So son of man is, is a title that Jesus claims of himself. Uh, and it, it almost seems like it's one of his favorite titles to use of himself is the son of man. Uh, and off the cuff, it, it feels like he's maybe making a claim of, of humanity there. Uh, but again, it, it, there is something a little bit more going on here, especially if you attach it to this passage here. So yeah, why don't you, you keep diving into this concept? Yeah, and I think one of the things that we want to do is we want to remind you, this is just a couple of scraps on the floor of a sermon. We don't have time to go into everything we'd love to. Both Graham and I have been uh, just blown away by the work of the Bible Project and what they're accomplishing, what they're doing. So if you want to just like even pause it at this point or get done listening to this, go listen to their podcast series on the Son of Man. It was unbelievable. And then their videos on the Son of Man is so helpful and you start to see the big picture. And the idea is that there was one coming at some point who would earn some type of status due to something that was done that this Son of Man would earn the right to sit next to the Ancient of Days. The empty throne. The empty throne. So it needed to be filled by someone. And the question was a lot of times, who's going to fill it? So, you know, you read through the Old Testament and you're like, who's going to fill the empty throne? And you're thinking, maybe David. And then David doesn't, he's not really that great, right? I mean, he's great, but he's not as great as you want him to be. Or, you you know, Hezekiah or Moses or Noah. All these individuals through the, the entire Bible, you keep looking for this, well, Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman who is going to come and crush the serpent, the one who is going to make all the craziness go away, the chaos of this world was going to be stamped by this individual once and for all. And the scripture is just full of all these individuals that pop up and we think, oh man, this is great. They're finally going to do it. And none of them accomplish it. And then all of a sudden, Daniel gets this vision in Daniel 7. No, one like the son of man sits down and not only sets up a kingdom, but a kingdom of all people, all nations, all languages, and all of those individuals bow before him. And it's a kingdom that will not pass away, a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And we go, man, that is a guy with tremendous power, right? Mm -hmm. That's a guy that has full authority, full dominion. That's a guy that I want to, I want to look to. That's a guy that I want to give honor to. And then when John sees Jesus in Revelation 1, he sees him described in a few different ways. And we read this to start the podcast, but I'm going to link a couple of these ideas really quick before we, we dive into this concept just a little further. But he says, I, I turned and saw the voice, and in the midst of the lamb stands one like a son of man. So there's already a link to Daniel 7 that John makes for us. But there's an interesting thing that you pointed out that I want to, I want to show us in verse 14. 
The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth, he had a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. So when we were talking this over a few minutes ago, you were talking about uh, Daniel 7 and the Ancient of Days. And you made a really unique connection that I think we need to talk about. So what was that? Yeah, so if you look back at the Daniel 7 passage... The Ancient of Days is one that's described with, with clothing that is white. Uh, the Ancient of Days is the one described as the hair that is white as wool. Uh, those, those images are, it seems to be tied to this, this Ancient of Days uh, theme. But here in, in Revelation, uh, which we just covered in Revelation chapter 1, they're actually applied to the Son of Man. Uh, so you you see the one like the Ancient of D- Days, and you see like the one of like the Son of Man, and it seems like the images are trying to link themselves to each other, to where maybe you think there's maybe some unity between uh, the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, or maybe there's a reflection mm. within the character of both of these uh, both of these persons that uh, that maybe we should we should see that there is. Uh, yeah, just this relationship between the two, uh, to where maybe they're one, uh, they're one in. I don't know how I want to flush that out, but they're yeah, they're one in in, in character, but two distinct persons. Yeah, yeah, same nature. Yeah, but two different people, right? Yeah, same characteristics, same everything, but yet distinct in some way. Right. And we, and the reason why we have trouble fleshing that out is because we don't fully understand how to explain the Trinity to people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we read it and we go, "That makes total sense." Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That sounds great. And then we stop and think for a little bit and we go, "Wait, that makes that makes absolutely no sense." I have no idea how to make sense of that. Which to me was one of the reasons why Christianity was was stamped as real for me. I, I when I was struggling with my faith, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, that that age range. You know, struggling with my faith doesn't mean that I was ready to dive off the deep end. I was just asking questions like, is this really legit? Is this what I want to follow? Is this what I want to be a part of? And it was actually that idea that the, the Trinity is completely uncomprehensible by me. It's it's mm-hmm. incomprehensible. I can't fully fathom the idea suggested to me. Maybe that's a divine thing that a human didn't create. So maybe I should put my trust in this God and, and actually walk with him. Right. And so the, the idea that you're pointing out here is in, in Daniel 7, we've got the Ancient of Days described one way. We've got the Son of Man described another. And now in Revelation 1, those two images are completely intertwined. Right. Which John is almost telling us. Well, I shouldn't say almost. John is telling us the Ancient of Days is the Son of Man in man form. And what's amazing is Jewish tradition actually allowed that to happen. They had an, an idea. Uh, there's a ton of scholarship out there about this, but but called the the second power of heaven or the second person of heaven. And they believed that it was possible for the father to be completely unapproachable, but that the father would send one who could do things that the father wouldn't be able quote unquote to accomplish because he's spirit. And this needed to be someone that could, you know, take flesh. Right. So in the Jewish tradition, they believed, you know, like when Moses is, is seeing the image of God walk by that it was, it was this second power of heaven potentially, or the angel of the Lord was often this second power of heaven. And what's amazing is when the Daniel seven passage happens, there's a ton of scholarship right around, you know, three, 200, 100 BC, all the way up till the days of Jesus, where the Jewish scholars are saying the Messiah will be this second power of heaven. It's, it's, it's all connected. And then what's amazing is Jesus comes and says, I'm the son of man, which you mentioned that that's his most common phrase of himself. 
And they're like, I don't like that. And then Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the grave, or at least his, obviously we believe that, but from a Jewish perspective, they would look at that and go, well, that's not true. He didn't rise from the grave. And, you know, they're not dealing with that in this podcast, but they would go, oh, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And so they, all of a sudden at the end of the first century created a whole new rabbinic line of thought that said the second power of heaven is is heretical. There's only one God. There's no other mm-hmm. power. And it, so then you go, oh man. So the Jews all of a sudden like wiped out all of their tradition because of something that happened in the first century that made them go, I don't like what happened. So we're going to rearrange our theology. And we go, as a Christian, we raise our hand and go, I, I know what that, like, I know what that was. Like, I know that the image here is in Revelation one, that the ancient days the one who holds all authority, the one who's beyond time, the one who's eternal is powerful. And he has an empty throne sitting next to him. And the only person who can take that throne is one like the son of man. So you have to be somebody who's in human form, who does something tremendous that allows them to float from here to there, whatever that there is. And when that person arrives, they will earn the right to have authority and dominion and power, and they'll sit in that throne and they'll create a nation that is beyond all nations, that will never be overthrown, that will never be conquered. And then John 1, John sees it, or sorry, Revelation 1, John sees, holy cow, the Ancient of Days is the Son of Man, and it's Jesus. It's this guy we hung out with for three years. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing and it's tremendous and it's one of those things that we should stop and go, holy cow, that is, that's huge. And so, like I said, this isn't something that we could cover in a sermon. We didn't have enough time. Uh, you know, it's taken us 20-something minutes just to flesh this out and we're trimming material down big time. I mean, I, I'm not even going into Psalm 2, Psalm 8, Psalm 110, uh, which we'll maybe deal with a little bit in, in the, the next week. We're not even dealing with the fact that... Um, all this power and authority is what is going to be used by Jesus repeatedly in the book of Revelation. We're not even talking here about the fact that the Ancient of Days shows up in Revelation 4 and 5 on a throne, as does the Lamb, by the way. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, we could keep going for hours on this concept, but we're trying to keep it tight, trying to keep it low. But in 20 minutes, this is stuff we couldn't have added to the sermon, but hopefully this is helpful to you and hopefully you like uh, what you're hearing. And then maybe this will help paint a better picture for you of Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Cool. Well, thanks everybody. Hope you enjoyed this. Look forward to uh, many more of these in the future. Just the, you know, the notes from the cutting room floor and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks.